nobody, but nobody who is struggling as a parent or stressed in the work environment or just feeling lost about life, suffered a bereavement or a relationship breakup or want to build their business or have a wonderful new entrepreneurial idea, they are not sitting at home wishing they could get in touch with their true self or their true essence. Welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. So today we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I have lots of conversations with other coaches in the communities that I'm in and that I contribute to, but also people like you, dear listener, who reach out to me and connect with me through this podcast. And there are some common themes that come up in those conversations around what it's like to live a coaching life and what it's like to build a prosperous coaching life. So I thought I would create this episode for you, and in particular, you if you are in the process of building your prosperous coaching life and coaching practice. Um, So this is probably an episode for which your notebook might be very handy. So before I get on to talking about what I'm describing as six essentials of a coaching life, and they are by no means the six, they are just simply six essentials that seem to come up in conversations. I thought I'd give you a little bit of a backstory. I know I've probably mentioned all of this stuff previously um, on the uh, various episodes of this podcast, but if you're new, if you're listening to this, this seems like a, a good backstory really to what I'm describing here because all of these elements, they come up in my own coaching too. You know, when I'm being coached around my business, very often these six essentials still come up. They still come up um, years and years later. So um, my background story, well, I started looking at human behavior when my first marriage came to an end in 1998. What's that? 21 years ago. And um, I came out of that marriage and just really wanted to understand more about what I could have done. And I can see that now that that was a pretty responsible thing to do actually I wanted to take ownership for certainly the role that I had played in that uh, marriage coming to an end and as part of that exploration um, you know of course I would start talking to other friends that were interested in personal development and personal growth and a very dear friend of mine somebody who I'm you know still still dear friends with today um, introduced me to NLP and I went on some NLP training in 2004 and 2005. And I don't consciously or deliberately use any of that NLP stuff in my coaching now. Um, but I guess it's a bit like riding a bike. If you need to, it's, it's, it's there. It's not something that I forget. And I'm sure there are aspects of that training that have become part of me that I've embodied. But um, on that training, during that training, that was the first time that I had come across even the concept of professional coaching, coaching as a profession. I, um, at that time, I was already involved um, in 
uh, various, I'd been involved in various leadership positions in my corporate career. And um, that was very much the aspect of my work that I enjoyed the most. You know, people used to use that label. Oh, Phil's very much a people person. But yes, I've always been more interested in the people perhaps than the product and um, loved loved just dealing with people and interacting with people and helping getting the best out of people, helping them enjoy their work and their lives. Um, much more than perhaps any focus on product. But here's the thing that I noticed as a leader, and I did um, 20 to 21 years in various leadership roles throughout my corporate career. I noticed that when people are generally happy in their lives overall, that they perform better anyway, and uh, they tend to love their work. So the services and products that uh, you know people are producing, they tend to take care of themselves from that. That was where I came across coaching, and um, in 2005, I decided, right, I'm going to make a go at this. I'm going to make a go um, at a coaching career, and uh, quit my job early that year, about the spring of that year, and started coaching, developed a website and stuff like that, um, ran some leadership workshops um, with a friend, and yeah, it was like all in, attempting to create a coaching business, and failed miserably. A year later, I had run out of the money that I had set aside to do that, went back into corporate in 2006 for another five years, and eventually left uh, for the final time on the 15th of April 2011, and during those years, I was still coaching on the side, um, f- you know, friends, family, friends of friends, friends of family. There wasn't really any particular marketing about it, but I started to build up some kind of reputation as, oh, yeah, Phil could help you with that. So I'd have people come to me even back then via referrals. But those were pretty small fees. And I can say, OK, yes, I've been professionally coaching since 2005. That's when people started to pay me for coaching. But the truth of the matter is... I didn't even begin to create any kind of sustainable business until, well, 2013, things started to really take off then when I came across the book, The Prosperous Coach by Steve Chandler and Rich Litvin. And both those men have had an incredible impact on not just my coaching and my coaching business, but my life, certainly. And as an aside from that, it was back in 2003, I had like a drop the book moment uh, where I just came across one line in a book whilst I was on holiday in Sheik in Egypt and just realized in that moment, holy moly, we really are creating our entire experience of life ourselves. So those two things intertwined, I guess, have helped me very much develop into the coach that I am today. Um, I started this podcast, what is it now? It's three years ago now, in 2016, as a result of uncovering actually some embellishment in the profession. And I turned that around into like, okay, I want to create something out of this. And then a year after that, actually, 2017, that's like a, I guess that's the next major milestone for me, at least, in my coaching life journey, because I had a another huge insight then that, that has affected uh, how I talk and and uh and coach actually and how i am with my clients today so that's just a little bit of backstory i've touched on that numerous times in various episodes and happy to share more happy to share more um so let's get on to what i consider to be 
there's certainly the six most common essentials in conversations that I'm having. By all means, let me know what you think. I really would love to hear from you. And these essentials, whilst primary, I'm coming from the perspective of a coaching life, but I think these essentials apply to any service-based industry, certainly any heart-centered service-based profession. Be that even if you're a writer, a teacher, a healer, therapist, whatever. So I'm going to start with essential number one, which I'm calling your why. And that's something that I'm sure we've all heard of. Oh, you need to understand your why. But, but here's the thing. This actually is the why that's personal to you. Like, why is it that you want to coach? Why is it? What's your motivation for becoming a coach? What is it that excites you? What do you love about coaching? Are you clear on that? Now, if that's, well, I want to be able to make loads of money while sunbathing on the beach, maybe you want to take a closer look. But if that's like what me, if that's like me, I can tell you, I just love, I mean, <laughs> I love talking and exploring with people in those intimate conversations. I love having somebody in front of me um, knowing that they can see something new that changes their life. Like that's actually nothing about me whatsoever. I'm excited to be working with these people that show up in front of me. I love people. So um, I'm, I'm, when, I, when I remember that, what it is that excites me, that it's about the clients, that tends to take actually the focus of me. Whilst that why is personal to me, my why itself is actually not about me. It's not about the lifestyle that I want to create, although there's a lot of attraction, of course, for me in that. I love my life. But what excites me about being a coach is working with these wonderful people. All my clients, I get excited about all of those. And remembering that, that's so liberating, taking the focus off me. So what's your why? Why is it you want to coach? What is it about coaching that excites you? Secondly, second essential. And this is the biggest piece I could take up the whole the whole episode with just this one piece and I considered doing that but I wanted to add these other aspects um, these other essentials too and you know what this piece is is so much of my coaching not just with other coaches um, coaching other coaches is not any major part of my business people come to me certainly through this podcast but this piece is actually central to all all of my coaching and and all of the all of the relationships that people talk about um, in our calls, and it's connecting, connection, connect. This is the biggest piece. There are so many ways to connect with people now, and, and here's the thing: I don't know of any coach that's created a client without connecting with them. Of course not. That's ridiculous. So this is such a fundamental essential to building a coaching life 
there are so many ways to connect now. There are more ways to connect now with people than there's ever been. And um, I mean, the internet has changed everything, right? Not just this, it's just changed all of our lives, of course. But if you look at some of the um, methods that people can connect with you, as in they can find you rather than you reaching out to them, there's, you know, the traditional websites, you can write books, um, create podcasts or blogs and videos or um, go and give talks. And then there is you connecting with others where there's somebody that you connect with that you're interested with one-on-one. But this this first way of connecting, where people find you, you know, the books, the podcasts, the blogs, talks, that kind of stuff. Let's just talk about that for a moment. A question I think that's, in, that's important to ask when you're creating any content, and of course this podcast, that's, that's great content. I, I get people message me every week in appreciation of this, and I, and I love that. It's, it's so gratifying to know that I am providing value by producing this podcast. And the same has happened through my books, and I get people connect with me from things I post on Facebook. So it's cool to know that that's a value. And I also notice that people connect mostly with content that I create that's also personal. Because I notice that if I write something or share something that is personal, nine times out of 10, probably 99 times out of 100, not is it just personal, it's also universal. Other people have that going on as well. And people connect very deeply to like our humanness that we often try and hide. So in your content two major questions there is it a value is it personal is it something that people can relate to in that way but there's another really important aspect to this which i'll expand on a little later and that is are you using their language see this all over the place that so many coaches try and sell in their content they try and sell a solution so, uh, and what I mean by that is they might be saying, hey, I can help you get in touch with your inner self. And believe me, nobody, but nobody who is struggling as a parent or stressed in the work environment or just feeling lost about life, suffered a bereavement or a relationship breakup or want to build their business or have a wonderful new entrepreneurial idea they are not sitting at home wishing they could get in touch with their true self or their true essence and that might be what happened as a result of your coaching but that's not what they're going to connect with and what i'll suggest to my clients about this is give some consideration to who it is you would like to be working with now people often talk about your ideal client yeah, cool, you can call it that. But who is it that excites you? Make up a character and write an essay about them. You know, let's make up a name. Let's call them Bob or Linda. And take some time out. Write about what life is like for them. How do they see life now? How would they like it to be? What do they think their problems are? And I suggest you do that without using any language that you might use in your coaching with your clients, such as true nature, their truth, even suffering. I don't think people come to you and say, hey, you know what, um, I'm really finding it hard at work at the moment, I'm suffering. People don't even say that. They say, I'm just so stressed out. 
So I think it's really important, um, certainly as part of connection, to use language that people understand that relates to where they're at. And a lot of people will say, or meet people where they're at. And, and I guess, yes, perhaps this means that. And this is going to help you actually create what might be your message. And I'm, I'm not really big on this as like, I think your message, you don't have to try and create. I think it shows up. And what do I mean by that? I mean, being specific about who you help and how you help them. So rather than, oh yeah, I help people discover their inner freedom and true essence, which nobody gives a shit about until they see it, of course. I help X kind of people move from A to B. So that might be, I help single mothers create financial independency after divorce, right? That's very specific. I help stressed and busy business leaders create high-performing teams and a relaxed life. I help people create easy, loving, prosperous personal and professional relationships. Um, I help couples recover from infidelity and to recreate intimacy um, and trust in their relationships. That's very specific. I help struggling business owners create more profit and freedom. Now, they're not really great examples, but hopefully you get a sense of my point in that. They are not, oh, I help people get in touch with their inner self and, and know who they come to, know who they really are. Nobody's sitting on, sitting on their sofa wanting that. The second part of this Connect piece is how do you engage with people perhaps one-on-one? -on -one? And I do, I definitely do a mix of this. So I create content. I've written a couple of books. There's this podcast. Um, but I also love to connect with people one-on-one. -on -one, and that might be going to meetings, network events. By the way, network events, they are great to go to just purely to practice what I was just talking about. Like when somebody says, so what do you do? Um, I've been to so many network events just to practice answering that question because you know what, but people, people go to networking events, they want to give you their card, they want to sell, sell, sell. You go to a networking event and practice being interested in people, you're going to stand out. So um, when you connect with people one-on-one, -on -one, think this is the key to developing any kind of connection, and that is interest, genuine interest, and curiosity. And I think also what's going to come in here is that first point about what it is that excites you, what why you want to coach. That's going to start to direct your, your questioning of people as you want to get to know them. I see the opposite of this. So many times I get friends requests every day on Facebook and I kind of know with a quick browse of somebody's wall before I accept whether I might get the, well, I'm going to use a dating analogy, that I might get the dick pic, basically, uh, when, once I've accepted the friend request. I think the dating analogy is wonderful. I'm sure you've heard it used many times before. But when we want to develop a connection with somebody, which you have to do to create a client, the data analogy kind of helps us to see that you're not going to just send somebody a message that says, hey, I'd love to date you. Here's a picture of my penis. That's never going to work. And yet, time and time again on Facebook, people, they befriend me. And I get asked in a message, Okay, thanks for connecting. What do you do? 
what do you do? Have you even looked at my Facebook profile? What do you mean, what do I do? Or, hi, thanks for connecting. I really love what you're doing. It looks like you're doing some great stuff in the world, really. Uh, And I also think you'd love to join our program to create seven figures in six minutes. Again, that's just somebody saying, oh, hello, here's a dick pic. It never works. Most of the time I don't reply to those. Occasionally I might reply and say, hey, would you like some feedback about this approach? I often do that. People approach me asking to become my podcast. Hey, uh, I'd love to come on your podcast. Here's my website. That's it. It's not at all endearing. They've shown no interest in me. If you want to connect with people one-on-one, be genuinely interested. If you're not interested in people, then just don't connect with them. If somebody connects with me, I want to have a look. What are they up to? I might have a look at their wall. And if there's something I find interesting, I'll read a little bit deeper. And if there's something I'm genuinely genuinely curious about, then I might message them and say, hey, something like, oh, I loved what you wrote, or I read this thing on your wall, I'm curious about that, or I have the same thing going on. I would love to chat you about that. I'd love to know more about that, or, or um, I've experienced something similar. I'd love to share some ideas with you. But that has to come from a genuine place. And this is the thing about connecting as a coach. It's not about trying to find or even create clients. It's about developing connections and relationships with people. Because you won't create any clients without connecting with them and without having a conversation with them. If you take care of those two things with loving curiosity, the opportunity then to help them in any way may show up just organically, that you won't have to create that. I could talk about connecting all day. I do. (laughs) Let's go to the third point, this third essential to creating a prosperous coaching life. And that's impact. That's impact. People, okay, generally, some will, but people generally won't pay you just to have a nice, cozy, comfortable, loving, fun conversation. And your coaching can be all of those things, but if you're not making a difference, people are not going to pay you. So as a coach, you can end up with hundreds of friends and be broke if you're not impacting your clients world if you're not impacting their life what on earth would they pay you for so again this is this is such a huge piece this is the the coaching itself are you helping them actually see something new are you Well, I guess you could just ask, are you helping them? And I think this impact only comes from practice and from experience, not from books. Like you can't learn to swim by reading a book or watching a webinar. You might learn some useful tips and tricks that will help you. But as a coach, you've got to get in the water. And I would suggest you need to get in the water from both sides as a coach and as a client so your 
practicing as a coach and your experience of being coached are what are really going to have the most effect on your impact as a coach. I often see discussions around, well, uh, one essential perhaps is becoming your best self or becoming a better person, but I don't think I would put it that way. I can see, um, I can see like some value in, in looking at that for sure, but it's not necessary in that, uh, you know, one, one guy who's, who impacted me the most in a single conversation with a, was a homeless guy. Um, now I can get it. Was he his best self? Well, his circumstances weren't at their best, but maybe, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe he was his best self in in that moment. But we can get we can get distracted by that, by this um, obsession with ourselves of wanting to become a better person, rather than uh, again having our focus be on our clients. But experience here is what's going to help you develop impact. This third essential is really about you developing your skills um, as a coach. Okay, the fourth essential to creating a prosperous coaching life that comes up in conversations. This is my number one secret that's not so secret, secret key to success that's not secret at all. It's do stuff, simple as that. And that might be like, well, yeah, of course, obvious. But take a look. If you're not building the kind of coaching life that you want, what are you actually doing? I know I've had times where hmm, I can look at what I've actually done. How much time have I spent on actually creating? And that can be just a couple of hours a day. How, much, how many conversations am I having? Am I treating this like a nine to five job or whatever hours or oh, if somebody messages me or a friend calls or I have an opportunity to go, oh, let's go to the supermarket or just get distracted by web surfing. Like, am I actually doing stuff? I can tell you that uh, any success that I've had as a coach has come from me doing stuff. And I try so many different things. I experiment. It's all an experiment. I've learned so much from experimenting and from the different results. There are always results. They might not be the results that I had hoped for, but there are experiments always yield results from which we can learn. So I've experimented with fees and I'm going to come to that. I've experimented with um, like the logistics of a program, I've experimented even like with the kind of conversations I have, with the size and shape of the programs, whether I'm doing group programs, how I meet people. Um, I guess my first retreat that I did on Zakynthos, and I've done seven of those, seven one-on-one -on -one coaching immersions on Zakynthos. The first one was definitely an experiment. And I think regarding this doing stuff it's worth considering are, is this a hobby for you or is it a business and if it's a business are you treating it as such i think it's useful to be clear in that respect and remembering what do you want to create so if this is a business what do you want to create i'm going to come to like the whole money piece in a moment but what would you like your business and your life to look like and sure dream big dream for the next year or five years I suggest planning for the next week 
a question I ask myself every Monday morning, what do I want to create this week? And I guess just zooming in even more, one small change that's had a huge impact on me doing stuff is commitment. And that's committing to do stuff. And there's a simple tool that I use. And instead of having a to-do list, we've probably all got hundreds of things that we could put on a to-do list. We've got hundreds of things that to do. And I just use a daily will-do list. And there's usually just a couple of things on there. Some days there's just one. Like, I'm committing, I will do this today. Usually two or three. Very, very rarely any more than that. And of course, if I complete those, then I'll go back and I'll commit to do, that I will do um, some other tasks. But that for me has been really, really helpful in being focused on what I will do rather than just looking at that really long list of things to do. That's essential number four, do stuff. So let's move on to number five. And that is charge fees, charge people. Like uh, you won't create a prosperous coaching life without creating an income. And this is one area that I know a lot of coaches have such an incredible amount of thinking about. And if you listen to this podcast and listen to the various guests, when this come up, you might notice that uh, coaches starting out do tend to have more thinking about this than established coaches who are doing very well. And there's a clue there, like so much thinking about this. I think regarding fees, you are offering a client the opportunity to invest in a way that enables you to do this work. And okay, maybe you have an alternative income. And for sure, there are plenty of coaches that I know that don't need to make a bean from coaching. They are one half of a couple where the other half brings in sufficient income to cover all of their living expenses. Or maybe they've sold a business and have some money, savings or whatever. But as you move forward, and as you create a business, for it to be a sustainable business, it needs to create income. So let's look at this. And I'll suggest that if you're starting out as a coach, that you don't aim straight for the luxury lifestyle of your dreams. Uh, I'm going to say it's not realistic. You can get there. You can create any kind of lifestyle but I would suggest you really work out how you want your life to be now in the short and medium term. Like what would be a good, comfortable income for you? Maybe that covers all your living expenses or maybe that supplements an existing income or maybe that would replace an income if you're um, in existing work and want to transition out of that. Like you don't have to aim straight for the moon, you can but the coaches that stay on the path who are successful, those are the coaches that have started small. So let's look at this a little bit closer in that I think it's really helpful to look at the kind of fees you would need to charge to generate the kind of uh, income to create the kind of lifestyle that you want. And like, first off, there's a schoolboy schoolboy error that's often made when I talk to people about this 
they might say, well, I want um, an income. I've gone through this exercise and thought, okay, I want to create an income of say 5,000 a month, which is what, 60,000 a year. I'm talking in pounds, but it could be dollars, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But of course, there's a there's more to running a business than simply earning some money and taking that money out. There's tax to pay. And there are always business expenditures and business costs. So even if you want to take out, say, 5000 a month out of your business, my experience in businesses that I've, that I've run previously is that to take that kind of money out, I actually need to be earning there six figures or thereabout because of tax and expenses. And also, let's, let's look at business expenditure. It's so easy to think, okay, I want to earn this much as a coach. But as a coach, you do need to, you're going to have some expenses. There's a cost to doing any kind of business anyway. But there's various expenditure as well. You know, like you might want a new computer every three years, as an example. But also, I think as a coach, it's super important to continue to invest in yourself. And I'm going to come back to that later. But as part of your part of your investment, like, Include those costs in when you're working out the kind of fees you want to charge. I mean, I know some coaches that just invest about $10,000 a year on their own development and business expenditure. Others who are spending, gosh, well over $100,000 in working with their own coach and going to various events, various training, all that kind of stuff. So if you want... If you want to create an income, and let's go small. Let's go really, let's go small anyway. Let's say you realize that, uh, okay, you want an income of X amount, but that actually then means you need a revenue prior to tax that includes all of your expenses. Let's make the numbers easy of, say, 60000 To my mind, these are quite small fees, but they're, they are quite small figures, but they are going to illustrate the point and make our numbers easy. So that would be, let's say, 5000 a month in revenue for you to take out, I don't know, 3000 a month. So f- to create $5,000, pounds, whatever, in revenue, how many clients would you need? Well, that depends on how many clients you want and then what you charge them. So 60000 a year, 5000 a month, Perhaps if you want to work with just six clients a year, that's 10,000 a client, $10,000 or pounds per client. And so therefore that would be what, 5,000 for say six months. Now these, these figures, they're kind of meaningless, but I hope you get the gist of the importance of simply looking at this and being honest and not, and not making that schoolboy schoolboy error of, okay, I only need to make this much money to take this much money out there's a cost to doing business and it's really useful for you to at least aim for have a target here of what it is you need to be charging and how many clients you need to work with um, to create the kind of coaching life that you want and then once you come up with that figure and it might be, okay, I need to charge $5,000 for six months or $10,000 for six months and work with six clients. Then you can forget about the piece that's you because here's the thing, the fee is not about you at all. When it comes to making a proposal to a client, what you think regarding that fee 
um, is completely irrelevant. You want to know why? Because you're not going to be paying it. It's really that simple. It doesn't matter what thinking you have about that. If you've worked out, okay, this is what I need to be charging or what I want to be charging, what you think after that is irrelevant. The person who's going to make the decision to buy, they're going to have thinking about it and they will invest based on perceived value. And I could talk loads more about this, but I wanted to touch on this because charging fees, of course, is an essential element to creating a prosperous coaching life. Okay, let's move on to the final point, the sixth essential element to creating a prosperous coaching life. And I could call this invest in your own development, but I'm going to be a little bit more explicit and say what's an essential element is hiring your own coach. Now, if I look through this list, there's two things that have helped me the most in creating a coaching practice. And I guess the first one really is doing stuff, taking action. Without taking action, you don't create any change. So I have to do stuff. And the second is working with a coach. But it's actually working with a coach that has helped me to get clear on taking action. Working with a coach has had the most impact on me creating a coaching life. And I've worked with many, many different coaches. Um, some of the early ones really helped me get out of the way, for want of a better phrase. They helped me with a lot of my me stuff and see the irrelevance of my own opinions, see the irrelevance of uh, what I think. Helped me get over myself. But also they helped me through simply being coached, as I touched on earlier, through being coached, I came to understand more about what it's like to be coached and learned so much from that. What it's like, what does it actually feel like to be impacted by somebody having that kind of conversation with you? What's it like to be held in that kind of space? What's it like to develop that kind of relationship with somebody? So I think it's oh so important, not just helping in a practical way, what they're going to help me do stuff. Uh, I mean, coaches have helped me with writing they helped me with expressing myself they've helped me recently with connecting with people they've helped me see some of my blind spots i read about this today actually they had a, a conversation with um with my coach who, who pointed out helped me to see something it was really uncomfortable to see it because it was like oh my god i'm doing this again we might call those blind spots but here's the thing it was something i already knew but i kind of forgotten or um, I developed a habit of being distracted from that. I was looking in a different direction. One of the reasons why I love being a coach is because of the potential impact that we have. So maybe it is all ultimately egotistic. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I love helping people create change and being coach has helped me to create change and to really understand that even more. I think it's really important to look at are you creating or are you consuming? And this is something else my coaches have helped me to see time and time again. Like if things get a bit tough, my tendency has been to like, oh, withdraw and hide or do nothing rather than try something new. If something's tough, then cool. Just try a few things out. Something might work. But... um 
And if anybody else relates to this, like some of us have a tendency to do nothing. My coaches have really helped with that. I might have had a tendency to get stuck into more books and more webinars, but consuming, being more Facebook groups, but consuming rather than contributing. If you've never worked with a coach before, personally, I, I, I kind of, I don't know that you could even coach. Like, your effectiveness as a coach is going to be single-figure percentage of what it potentially could be. So those are the six essential elements that seem to come up most commonly in conversations that I have with other coaches. They are, remember, what is your why? That's personal to you. Like, again, when times are tough, it's useful for me to remember that. Okay, it's not about me. I just get so excited and I love working with people. I love these kind of one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. For me, that's what it's all about. Connecting, huge piece, connecting. And your impact as a coach, are you making a difference? Are you doing stuff? Are you charging fees? And are you yourself getting coached? Are there any others? Of course there are. And I'd love to know your thoughts. What do you think about this? These are certainly the most common themes that have come in conversations that I've had. But of course, there are more. There's no one size here that fits all. But because these come up, I thought that would be really cool just to throw this out there um, as a podcast episode. And um, if you've got anything to say about any of this, if you'd indeed, if you'd like to delve into any of this, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. I was just going to say there was, there's no one size that fits all. And I think in that respect, um, well, there cannot be because we're all we are all unique. Sure, there are some fundamental principles here, like I've outlined six essentials, but what those actually look like for you may be unique for you. And that's why I think whilst group programs can be so, so, so helpful, they can never be the kind of intimate personal catalyst that a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a coach can be. So there we have it. Right, I'd love to hear from you. If I talked about anything here that you'd like to explore more, or indeed if there's anything else going on in your coaching life that you'd like to discuss and explore, get in touch. I love hearing from listeners. I'm always happy to get on a call with people like you and help you create your prosperous coaching life. Thank you once again for listening. I wish you much love and joy.